Welcome to Conversations in Healthcare, a podcast series brought to you by Clarivate. In this series, we talk to key opinion thought leaders across the, the whole of their healthcare ecosystem to talk about key issues that need to be addressed, um, you know, especially to ensure that you know, patients get access to the best medicines possible. My name is Mike Ward, and I'm the Global Head of Life Sciences and Healthcare here at Clarivate, and it's my pleasure to moderate today's discussion. As we're all aware, the pharmaceutical industry is among the most regulated of all commercial sectors. To be able to discover, develop, manufacture and sell medicines, pharmaceutical companies have to comply with masses of regulations, which, despite efforts to find global standards, can still differ significantly between different markets. Moreover, being compliant with today's regulations is not necessarily sufficient because the regulatory environment itself keeps evolving. And so it is important that companies future-proof their activities by anticipating future changes to those rules. To discuss the importance of regulatory intelligence and highlight its potential return on investment for companies, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Carolyn Hines, who is Director of Regulatory Intelligence at AstraZeneca, and Celine uh, Rodeo-Sigwe, uh, who is a Senior Health Policy manage- Manager here at Clarivate. Carolyn has, has actually worked in the pharmaceutical industry for over 20 years, specialising in regulatory intelligence and policy. She recently joined AstraZeneca's Oncology Regulatory Science and Strategy Group as the RI Director. And previously, uh, Carolyn worked at GlaxoSmithKline and Johnson & Johnson in their global RI and policy functions. She started a career at CMR, now CMR International Institute for Regulatory Science, which introduced her to the world of regulatory affairs. Having qualified in pharmacy and biomedical science and worked in industry, Celine moved into the regulatory intelligence field 16 years ago and is now at uh, Clarivate, is analysing the global health policy climate, creating and helping uh, clients identify opportunities and generate impactful messages and research activity that will ultimately advance patients' access to healthcare products. So, uh, Carolyn and Celine, thanks very much for joining me. Thanks, Mike. So, so, so my first question, uh, it's a fairly basic one, is you know, what actually is regulatory intelligence? And you know, how does it differ or fit into to, to, to regulatory affairs? I mean, Carolyn, if, if, if you would like to have first shot at this. Sure, thanks, Mike. Um, I think I think of regulatory intelligence really as a, a sort of a very specialised role within the regulatory affairs function. I think some of the key words that spring to mind when I think about intelligence are being able to process multiple information sources and make some meaningful outputs that can particularly, for example, support the development of regulatory strategy. And I think also RI is very much driven by the business needs. So the company's portfolio, its interests and um, the area in which it's developing its assets will all feed into um, the, the requirements for their regulatory intelligence function. And, and, and Celine, uh, you know, 16 years, what, you know, what, what, what's your take on it? Uh, I would first say that it is a, a very valid question and a question that is quite often asked uh, among uh, regulatory intelligence uh, professionals. 
Uh, there are many different definitions of AI which exist at the moment, but to make it short, and as uh, Carolina said, basically this is to uh, all the activities uh, to turn regulatory into information from surveys, from regular monitoring uh, into actionable, actionable insights that are meaningful to the business. Uh, by uh, actionable and meaningful, I mean, for example, to comment on draft guidelines to influence policy or uh, to give strategic advice on how to build, uh, to build a robust submission plan. I would also say that regulatory intelligence uh, is also to main, helps to maintain compliance uh, in an organization and again to develop robust strategies. And nowadays also regulatory intelligence is more and more in, has a more in, and more influencing role uh, with, for example, the involvement in trade associations and or professional organizations. Well, and, and, uh, and fact, I was going to say, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that point, but, but continue. Yeah, um, in fact, regarding your point, um, our regulatory intelligence and regulatory affairs uh, match together. Um, I would say that regulatory intelligence plays a crucial role for regulatory affairs, which on their side are more um, to apply these regulatory requirements. And they are really the primary point of contact with the regulators along the product life cycle, in fact. So they're really here to ensure that the company meets the regulatory requirements in the different activities of the organization, whether uh, they are from the submission to uh, the manufacturing or even the advertising of the given uh, drugs or other pharmaceutical products. So, and in small organizations, in fact, regulatory affairs and regulatory intelligence are quite often, um, uh, in fact, these functions are, are conducted by the same people. And this is why regulatory intelligence may be a challenge uh, for these people, we, we need to priorita prioritize the regulatory affairs uh, function. Right, right. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, I just wanted to jump in and to, to Celine's point there. I think medium and large companies have realized the value in having specialized groups that focus on reg intelligence and indeed policy, but, um, and the, the value that having a group that is can develop their expertise in monitoring the external environment, in knowledge sharing, in communication. Whereas, as being said, smaller companies, it might be the, the regulatory affairs person having to do all of that, as well as developing the strategy, taking care of the filing, taking care of the post-licensing lifecycle activities. Right. So, so this, this may seem uh, an important question, uh, Karen, but what does a sort of a typical workday for a regulatory intelligence executive look like? So I, I think, as I alluded to at the start, different companies will have different um, scopes for what their regulatory intelligence groups will do. But a lot of the there are similarities in terms of things like communicating key updates from from regulatory authorities could be around uh, commenting on guidelines, so draft legislation or assessing a final piece of legislation and any impact that might have on our processes and, and procedures. It could be a, an ad hoc query about a regulatory procedure, about precedents, about commercial, in, about commercial regulatory intelligence that feeds into the development of a strategy. So I think definitely that you will be involved 
on a daily basis in a number of different um, ac activities uh, at one time. And, and also, as I said, being open to things arising that day that, that um, you need to, to look into. Right, right. And, and, and what, what sort of you know, tools or, or, or strategies do you have to use to, um, you know, sort of both, I guess, gather and, and also sort of you know, assess the regulatory intelligence that you're developing? I think in terms of the amount of the, the amount of information that is out there now and the ability for individuals, be that in a group or an individual person working in regulatory affairs, has really just exploded in particularly in the last decade, I would say, both in terms of what um, is available to access directly, the information coming from health authorities, the different types of systems that are available to us, commercial systems, um, internal systems that we might build to, to share and communicate news on the external environment with our colleagues in our regulatory affairs teams and indeed across functions within, within our companies. Um, I've, in recent years I've seen more of these sort of commercial tools that can help mine all of these um, multiple sources sort of helping with that communication and curation of the of the information so that can be a, a time saving for RI professionals in that you know there are tools that can help um, detect all of the change that might be going on that you could then pick out say your company is interested in particular um, tumor types or uh, or disease areas you can then filter that information perhaps using um, portals or internal websites to to reach reach colleagues so I, th I think there's a there's a range of um, tools and systems that are both internal and external that you might use um, and I think communication as well and some of the um, other areas where you might find intelligence from people that are working on the submissions, perhaps going to health authority meetings around their projects. So I think there's a whole challenge of picking up that sort of intelligence as well, um, particularly in big companies. How do you how do you how do you bring people together to to share and really um, extract that knowledge that your colleagues might be getting in the course of their day to day regulatory project work? Yeah. yeah. So so Celine. You know, what are the sort of, you know, sort of the key sort of like tools that, you know, that, you know, the Clarivate has in place that are, are able to help, you know, people like Carolyn? Sure. Um, the first one will be Cortelis Regulatory Intelligence Database, of course, uh, which was previously known as uh, IDRAC when I was in the industry. And, uh, um, and, and just to say before that, um, I, I really feel the, um, the pain from the industry because when I started in regulatory affairs and regulatory intelligence, most of the updates I was receiving were in paper. <laughs> uh, so it was also quite a challenge. So I'm so glad that uh, internet <laughs> has, come, uh, has become a key player uh, to update us uh, or all the technology. Um, now, uh, of course, Clivate has Cortis Regulatory Intelligence, which monitors regulations in 80 jurisdictions. Um, and there are, um, of course, the publications from the medicines authorities, ministries of health. Um, but there are also, on top of that, analysis per topics on how to, um, to conduct clinical trials, for example, how to, uh, uh, to submit a dossier in a given country, um, or also, uh, 
how to, to obtain pricing and reimbursement. Now, I would not limit um, uh, my response to Clarivet, uh, to Cartelist Regulatory Intelligence, sorry. I would also um, talk about Cartelist Competitive Intelligence because I think that when you are working in regulatory intelligence, you need to understand what your competitors are doing, what are the precedents, um, and what are their strategies, what uh, data have been submitted, maybe how uh, regulators have reacted to, to, to um, the submissions. Um, also, Clarivate offers uh, BioWorld. Um, so these are, this is rather a newsfeed, um, which covers both the drugs and the medical devices spectrum. Um, and it's worldwide. <laughs> you have uh, some issues more related to European Union or Asia. And um, also context matters if you are more interested in uh, the uh, regulatory intelligence in the field of HTA market access, uh, also an interesting tool to use. And um, of course, for, um, and, and maybe more for those who are working in regulatory policy roles, um, being aware, aware of what CRS does, the Center for Innovation in Regulatory Science. Uh, so it's not, a, it's not a product, it's not a service, uh, it's a really an independent group within Clivate, but uh, they are doing research work around regulatory and HTA practices, and uh, they publish on a regular basis on their website, uh, benchmarking studies, for example, or so, um, um, outcomes of their work with regulators, HTA bodies. And this is a great source of, uh, of information uh, when you are in regulatory intelligence. Right, right. And I, I mean, I mean that, that that's a good point. I mean, you know, that idea, the fact that you know, lots of companies, um, because they're dealing with the same the same regulators, and therefore are also going to face those regulations. Um, I'd be interested to ask, Carolyn. So, you know, what, you know, how how do you interact with uh, regulatory intelligence executives at, at, at other organisations? Um, uh, you know. Again, you know, particularly when, for example, you're having those conversations with, you know, regulators uh, and, and, and policymakers. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think, as I, sort of I alluded to at the start, that increasingly RI is seen as sort of a, a specialised function within reg affairs. You know, there, there's certainly been the increase in the um, forums that provide an opportunity for these folks to get together. So some some big organisations like DIA, organisations like TOPRA have, again, dedicated groups of people working in the intel and policy space, forums for them to, to get together to share best practice, to, sh uh, to discuss perhaps some of the, we were just talking about tools and systems, also topics. Um, Celine mentioned that the, the the topics that independent groups like CIRS are working on. So again, you know, TOPRA, DIA, um, other closed groups of industry professionals working in this in this space can come together and you know um, learn from one another and discuss you know, issues that will be uh, the same whether you're working in a small, a medium, or a large company. And I think that can be quite powerful also in um, helping. Yeah, to, to think outside the box to come up with new and creative uh, ways of working yeah so uh, one of the things that I mean so, so, so Lean sort of kind of mentioned it um, 
but I'm, I'm just sort of wondering, you know, where in that sort of that medicines, you know, discovery, development, manufacture, you know, I guess, launch, delivery timeline, does regulatory intelligence you know, have an impact? And, you know, if the answer is across the whole board, where, where do you think it has potentially the most impact? I think, Karen, I think you, you, yeah, you, I'll, I'll, I'll make a start. So I think, um, I think just like regulatory affairs as a function isn't now just seen as something that happens at the end of drug development. So once all of the trials have been done and the, the you know, the, the data to, to support your target label have been created, it's not then handed over then to regulatory just to take care of the filing. I think increasingly this whole, the whole concept of regulatory science and regulatory affairs, um, having an input to strategy very early on, um, you know, if, uh, as products come to fir first in man and the, you know, those initial um, PK and dose finding exercises are taking place, regulatory is, is involved, you know, uh, you know, quite a way out of the sort of the actual regulatory submission, approval, review aspect. So, so in that sense, yes, regulatory intelligence can you can you will have queries to support the strategy right from sort of the preclinical through clinical, then obviously the the review and approval stage, and then also the life cycle management of that product. You know, there's there are still issues that will be arising then to which knowing what's going on externally, knowing if there are any changes to the the guidelines that we need to follow or or what's going on with our competitors that will be important so so, so i think that's how i would you know think of it as effect having a useful input across you know a number of stages of development celine uh, intuitively i would have responded that uh, it has an impact across the product life cycle from development to uh, um, to after commercialization. Now, if I need to pick up one, I would say very early in the development of the products, um, we, we speak more and more about early dialogue with the regulators, with DHTA bodies, and um, the companies need to understand what um, evidence they need to generate uh, to speak to these regulators and to make it right from the first time or to to have the um, the greatest chance to uh, to have only a few questions <laughs> uh, along the during the the development or during the interactions with uh, with with them um, so yes i would I would say that um, early dialogue with um, in relation with um, evidence generation and also about strategies which market to priorita prioritize. Um, and of course, uh, to understand the timelines, to understand um, how to best approach uh, these different stakeholders. And this is really where um, a regulatory intelligence can really advise uh, the regulatory affairs people and also market access. Right. So, I can imagine that there, there, there will be you know, some people who say that uh, you know, paying for regulatory compliance, um, you know, both now and, and, and in, in the future, is it, simply a cost of, of doing business. So how do you convince colleagues in other parts of, of a, a pharmaceutical company 
but regulatory intelligence actually can also deliver a, a return on, on, on investment. And uh, what, what metrics or key, key performance indicators would you use or should you use to actually demonstrate that? Um, Carolyn, do, do you want to have first shot at that question? Yeah, sure. I I, I'd like to perhaps comment on the, the aspect of compliance around it. So you, you, you talked about, oh, a cost of doing business, which would suggest that, you know, you're just going to wait for a new guideline or piece of legislation and then comply with it. I think that's where often RI groups are involved in terms of um, not only detecting when things are changing, but also using that as a good opportunity to to consider the impact of it that it will have on either our development or our regulatory activities and looking for opportunities to then shape and, and influence. So it's being it's about being more proactive about things we might need to comply with in the future. So, for example, a change is coming to a way that we do uh, clinical trials. So we assess that that guideline. We might be providing comments through a trade association or directly to an agency. So as a company, then we are um, we're, we're anticipating what we will be asked to comply with, perhaps in you know two five years time. But also we've had an opportunity to um, perhaps influence some of the wording or you know consider the how we can make anything that we need to comply with, um, you know, uh, that we can be prepared and that we, you know, it's not something that we just suddenly then need to adapt to. Um, so, so I think that is one way of saying, of, you know, saying why RI is, is important. I think metrics around this function can be quite challenging, but if you were thinking about the whole, commenting on draft and final legislation aspect you know you might want to measure that to show your engagement across the across the company the the fact that you contributed to the review and comment um, also then looking at how your comments were perhaps taken on board in subsequent versions of guidelines that might be another metric um, I mentioned at the start around the aspect of RI talking about knowledge management so communicating out alerts to to your organization about things that are happening externally that will impact our, our development or what our competitors are doing so you might want to measure are people reading the reports um, you know are they downloading uh, uh, analyses that we are doing so sort of some metrics around the sort of knowledge management and communication piece could be considered too. And, and Celine, I mean, on, on, on that return on investment, I mean, do you sort of you know, have any thoughts or, or advice that um, you know, people should take on board? Sure. Um, I would really say that demonstrating the, the return on investment of the regulatory intelligence function is really the best way to stop criticism on its value, because we often hear that regulatory intelligence is a cost rather than an investment. And also um, making this return on investment of use helps to promote its development within an organization. And to me, um, there are different ways to demonstrate this return on investment, but there are four main areas, which are um, how to demonstrate reduced time to market, of course, uh, increased compliance, as we've said earlier, um, how um, the reduced cost 
of development of the products uh, and also the reduced or abolished cost of non-compliance because non-compliance can lead to financial uh, issue, um, issues, can uh, lead to also staff, operational or regulatory uh, uh, issues. So uh, this can be really measured. And for example, uh, Caroline has also mentioned, but uh, regarding reduced time to market, we can look at the time to prepare an application uh, dossier uh, by the regulatory affairs or even the market access teams, uh, but from the, with the support of the regulatory intelligence team. Uh, also, the number of questions from the authorities on the data submitted, uh, fewer questions, the better, of course. Um, in terms of increased compliance, uh, we can look at uh, the reduced number of warning letters or critical observations during uh, an inspection or the reduced or no uh, list of questions uh, along, the, along an application. Um, and uh, in terms of reduced cost to, of development, um, one important element is uh, the ability to, um, to recruit the lowest number of patients. Uh, and this comes with an understanding of the requirements, what data, uh, what evidence are needed to produce uh, the right message. Um, uh, also, maybe to have fewer protocol amendments, for example, could be uh, another KPI to look at. And uh, as um, Carolina said, in terms of um, uh, the impact on the policy shaping, uh, to look at uh, the comments on draft guidelines or green papers or white papers, uh, which has been made, and if these comments have been included in the final version of the documents, for example. So these are a few KPIs, but of course, all of these need to be um, tailored, adapted to your own organization and to what your organi organization is trying to achieve. Well, because fun. ultimately, regulatory intelligence helps to achieve uh, this vision or goals. So just, just as a final question, um, you know, because you've, you've both been in the space for, uh, for, for many years and, and, and Celine kind of alluded to it that, you know, when she started, you know, everything was still sort of like, you know, delivered uh, on paper, um, which probably mean you would have masses and masses of filing cabinets per product. So I just wondering if you could sort of one, you know, sort of reflect you know, how you know, regulatory intelligence has evolved in, in, in recent years and, and what sort of you know, elements do you think are going to further evolve as, as we go forward? So, so Carolyn, I mean, would you like to have a, a, a first uh, stab at that, that question? I, I think I start, uh, started earlier by saying about the information explosion that has ha really happened in, in recent years and that being a, a, a particular challenge that um, RI professionals perhaps need to, to, to focus on and increasingly things that can do things more automatically will free up more time for the regulatory intelligence professionals. So I mentioned monitoring all of these multiple sources. Um, some of that can be done um, in an automated way, enabling the RI professional to really focus and sort of add the so what to the piece of regulatory information to th that they then share with their with their function. So I, so I think that will continue to, to help the, the the time that the, the RI professional has so that they can increasingly work more to to 
provide that input to the to the strategy to be that expert we've sort of touched on it a few times about if you are able to do that data mining to use the systems to use some of these tools um having a specialized group that can do that can save free up time for, from your other um, regulatory staff to, to you know to work on the strategy by having you know people that they can pull on to to contribute particular particular sections so i think i think that's a um that's one thing i'd start by mentioning okay thanks and, and celine yeah, I, I I would just add, and I fully agree with you, Caroline. Really, the the automation of uh, of the function, uh, and we hear more and more about artificial intelligence. Now we we already we already had the opportunity with Caroline to to talk about that. Uh, I think we are not quite there yet in terms of artificial intelligence for for um, for regulatory intelligence. Of course, um, these technologies will help to save time to identify, to spot, you know, trends or to spot the right publication. Uh, now, there is a really a subjective element when you're doing regulatory intelligence. You need, you bring your experience, you bring your interactions with other groups. And uh, I think that um, there is a still a bright future for regulatory intelligence professionals uh, to bring this uh, expertise, as Caroline has said. And uh, I would just say also that um, what I'm seeing more and more uh, is really increased collaboration within, between regulatory intelligence professionals uh, within the industry, but also collaboration with the regulators, with the other stakeholders. And um, really to have this network helps you to... Uh, to, to really have a, have a feeling, uh, to, re, uh, to really get the trends uh, to, and to be informed of what is not published in the guidelines, in the websites or elsewhere, and also to get the, the perspective, different perspectives on a given topic and really to ensure, to enrich your, your thinking and enrich your strategy. I, I think that's that's a, an excellent um, recommendation uh, to, to, to finish this conversation uh, with. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd like to thank you both uh, you know, for taking the time today to you know, explain uh, the vital role that uh, regulatory intelligence you know, has for, for, for company activities, both now and, and, and in the future. Um, and I'm sure you know, many of the audience will be fascinated by, by, by the efforts that companies are actually taking to you know, maintain compliance to both existing and, and again, your know, potential uh, future regulations. So um, th thanks very much. If after listening to this broadcast, uh, you'd like to tune into future Conversations in Health, follow our LinkedIn page where we'll be posting alerts to uh, episode releases. So in closing, I'd, I'd like to thank uh, Carolyn and Celine again for, for joining us and also thank all listeners for tuning in. So until next time, stay safe and healthy. I'm Mike Ward and I'll see you in the next episode.